Hey, uh, apologies for the uh, mouse noise this episode. Um, I'll I'll try and get a mouse pad and um, I'll use a quieter mouse that I have. Okay, cheers. Enjoy the podcast. Start recording, and I apologize for the fact that you're getting a mirror view. That's fine with me, I think. Yeah. I don't know what you mean by mirror view. I'm. It's the wrong way round. Oh no! I, look... I with the slideshow. That's yeah. the right way around for me. I can see it fine. Oh, strange. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, I need to accept the license agreement. Oh, <laughs> Which one? Okay. Welcome to Can We Do It? And now we are accepting a license agreement. Welcome to Can We Do It? <laughs> can we start a slideshow? That is the real challenge and the conspiracy here. Are slideshows real? Or are they just a hallucination? I don't think slideshows are real, to be honest. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, look, I can colour in. I can't see the colouring in. That's the thing I can't see. Wait, can you see it in, like, the big screen? No, wait. Is there something I need to click on? I, like, I, I can no, see... No, I think that's a problem at my end. Ah, okay. Right, let me, um... Let me go into OBS, because... Oh, yes, OBS. Yeah, that's what I'm using. Oh, I love OBS. I don't know. I don't love it. I just, I like it. Before then, I used, like, Bandicam to screen record. And then I realized that OBS is free. And you can just, like, screen record <laughs> with that. And I was like, oh, okay. This is way better. I'm guessing we're not using all this, by the way. We might do. Really? <laughs> Here we go. Can you see me resizing this window? Yes, I can. Awesome. I'm just gonna... We're ready, cool. I think. Are you there? Yes, I am. I'm, I was waiting for you to, like, I don't know, start something. Okay. Or... Okay. Welcome to Can We Do It? The podcaster asks, can we set up a slideshow? Yes, we can, by the looks of things right now. I'm joined by... My guessing co-host, Evan. Hello, um, I am Evan. <laughs> I, we... You don't need. Do you need any more introduction than that? I don't think so. No, I think Evan is enough of an introduction, personally. Um, it's Evan. I don't know if a surname is needed, but then no. again, maybe the like. I think there needs the to be anonymity an, of an only a first mystique. name. Exactly. exactly. I will exactly. be the mysterious co-host for this adventure into and conspiracy. I am Josh. I shall underline my name now. Wow. That, that was... This is some great underlining, I have to say. Yeah, it was. Yeah, no. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't so great. It just kind of dipped off at the end there. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just enjoying being able to write on a PowerPoint. I've never done it before. It's like the power is beyond me. Um, <laughs> so... Oh, okay. This is my first slide. What, what is, is what is laser? That yeah. What is laser? <laughs> so, I actually, I, I hope you do have a full definition because I'm trying I, to work out right now. Is it just a light, or is it so, like something that is a laser? So it isn't quite a light. So I'm going to try and draw a diagram. And if someone knows about physics more than me in the comments, then they can shout at me. So you send <laughs> like a photon into what is known as a gain medium. So here's all our atoms. Okay. Yeah. They all got they're all atoms. 
with the smiley faces that atoms always have yeah yeah exactly yeah. i mean atoms i mean atoms all have smiley faces they do you're now gonna have to draw a smiley face on every single atom on every single atom okay that didn't look like a smiley face that bottom one right there that well, looks some like... of them aren't so happy okay why aren't some... they happy okay <laughs> some atoms aren't as happy as others okay then if you say so i i disagree um so you see a photon right here yes this gain medium when it interacts with a photon makes the atoms excited and release their own photons oh. um and you know the gain medium can be made of various materials and there's these these mirrors here mm. and this makes the this sends the photons back and forth and makes more atoms excited and release more photons so what you're saying is like before the photon the atoms are sad and it's the it's that that's making them happy it's the introduction of the photons it does reduce their energy though their energy oh. goes down as the the atoms you know it can even use you know laser pointer um but oh no that's the highlighter <laughs> so um oh my god that went really loud for a second there oh <laughs> I think that was a pretty sure mind. Um, Hopefully, the people listening won't have any problems with loudness. <laughs> yeah. If so, maybe don't wear headphones for this. Yeah, I'll put a gain limiter on it. It's fine. Oh, cool. Or cool. like a limiter on it. Um, so basically, to then release all of oh that erased more than I thought. So to release all of this, you then open a sort of little hole. Ah. In it, and then this releases a very strong beam of light and what's interesting to note is that the photons that are released are all of the same um in the same phase and the same wavelength um and they generally so take on the properties of the photon that encourages them out they they, they all like to follow each other they're, uh, okay. they're big trend followers of photons <laughs> so you end up with a very concentrated beam of light on a very specific wavelength um that's what i learned from half an hour on wikipedia so anyway i feel um, like you learn a lot from that to be honest i i yeah. learn a lot from that so <laughs> so, <laughs> so lasers in your neighborhood oh so lasers are used for lots of things they use for dvd drives remember them yes um laser printers um they are used for fiber optics so to beam sort of you know pulses of light and they're also used for photolithography which is how they print um stuff onto silicon chips oh which is fun um, yeah. So what you're saying with this is basically there's lasers all around us, lasers and they're coming everywhere. to get us. Yes. 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 <laughs> so. Wait, who is this woman? Why have you so you've gone from like sciencey laser stuff to just this random woman? <laughs> so she's this is um marjorie taylor green republican representative of georgia's 14th district in the 117th congress okay she is 
I feel like she's going to be a recurring antagonist of this podcast. Oh, is she? Is she stupid? Not stupid. Um, she's a free thinker. She's the public supporter of QAnon. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, this is her. This is her. Wait, does she have something against lasers? Where Where does lasers come into QAnon? I have to. No, this what? comes from a Facebook post she oh. made in 2018. Okay. I am trying to read this, but it's a lot. <laughs> I'll read it out <laughs> for our audio listeners. So, okay. If anyone is listening on audio, it's probably a terrible experience, but you know. Yeah, it's just um, so far. It's, oh, wait, yeah, so far it was a diagram that yeah. they can't see. <laughs> and this, this must be a crazy experience for audio. Oh, God. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Basically, he drew some really bad drawings of atoms with smiley faces and some weird triangle stuff. Yeah. And I pretended to understand it. Um, And that is that that's basically what happened for the audio listeners, even though if you listen to that and then went to this point in the podcast still. I don't know. I don't don't think to be fair with even the video, it will make much sense. But yeah. (laughs) Oh. Wait, so why did you just draw an Illuminati you said triangle? About triangles. Okay. By the way, for the audio listeners, he just drew an Illuminati triangle and I... for a reason. Yeah, so um the post reads As there are now over seventy people confirmed dead and over a thousand missing, the fires in California are horrific tragedy. I'm praying for all involved. It's good so far. Yeah. It is. I'm posting this in speculation because there are too many coincidences to ignore and just putting it out there from some research I've done, stemming my curiosity over PG and E stock, so that's Pacific Gas and Electric. Okay. Um which tanked all week, then rallied on Thursday night after a California official they would announce they would not let Pacific Gas and Electric fail. I find it very interesting that Robert Roger Kimmel on the board of directors of PG&E is also vice chairman of Rothschild Inc., an international investment banking firm. I also find interesting a long history of financial contributions that PG&E has made to Jerry Brown over the years and the millions spent in lobbying. What a coincidence it must be that Governor Brown signed a bill in September 2018 protecting PG&E and allowing PG&E to pass off its cost of fire responsibility to its customers in rake heights and through bonds. It must also be a coincidence that the fires are burning in the same projected areas that the $77 billion high-speed rail project is to be built, which is also Governor Brown's pet project. And what are the odds that Feinstein's husband, Richard Bloom, is contracted to the rail project? Geez, with that much money, we could build three U.S. southern border walls. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's just wrong. Wait, so far, uh, I'm just kind of something what's happened. Is she basically just going, here's a, a, co- a coincidence thing, here's a coincidence? It's like, it, like the simple the simple explanation for this is just corruption. Mm. However, she has another um, explanation. Oh, okay. Wait, does she not think this? Because it felt like she was pointing it towards corruption here. No. Wait, no. okay. <laughs> Then, oddly, there are these people who said they saw what looked like lasers or blue beams of light causing the fires and pictures and videos. 
I don't know anything about that, but I do find it really curious PG&E's partnership with Solaron on space solar generators starting in 2009. They announced the launch into space in March 2018 and maybe even put them up before that. Space solar generators collect the sun's energy and then beam it back to Earth to a transmitter to convert to electricity. The idea is clean energy to replace coal and oil. If they are beaming the sun's energy back to the Earth, I'm sure they would never miss a transmitter receiving station, right? I mean, mistakes are never made when anything new is invented. What would that look like anyway? A laser beam or light beam coming down to Earth, I guess? Could that cause a fire? Hmm, I don't know. I hope not. That wouldn't look so good for PG&E, Rothschild Inc., Solaran, or Dreary Brown, who sure does seem fond of PG&E. Good thing for Solaran that Michael Peavy is on their board, since he's a regular, since he's a former president of California Public Utilities Commission. California's most powerful regulatory agency. Great connections right there. Wait, I'm just... So, is she talking about this in a new form of electricity where it's taking beams from the sun? Yeah, so they, they, <laughs> yeah, they basically want to... Or, so this company, and I'll talk about them a little bit more in a minute. Okay. Um. Uh, so I'm just they, I'm confused. Sorry. <laughs> so the plan is so they their whole thing is they want to put solar panels in space. Okay, that kind of makes sense, I guess. And maybe. then beam the power down to Earth um, with microwaves. Oh, wait—is this an actual plan? Yes. Is that okay? <laughs> But that sounds interesting. Um, seems, seems like there's a lot of connected people in this crowd, and with these space solar generators, I really hope they have a good aim of beaming the sun's power down to Earth. So, um, yeah, so she's just been posting this. Yeah, so yeah. basically she's saying that um, there is an elephant in the room we have to address before we look at this. Um, these orbital solar facilities though okay and that is that anti-semitism yes is i bad. i agree anti-semitism is not a good thing thanks and... racism bad <laughs> racism bad <laughs> that's well, i mean there's sort of references to sort of the rothschild yeah and I was... sort of various yeah that was a thing that was like because i was about to say like I could maybe understand people being annoyed at corruption, but the whole thing with Rothschild is kind of just put a bad... T- it <laughs> was just, just like, like, no. It just, uh, like... I mean, yeah, I don't really want to touch this stuff with a barge pole. I sort of... I feel like with anti-Semitism, it's best to avoid engaging with it because it's a bit like Hydra, you know? You cut one head off and two more grow. Sure. So um, okay. I'm just going to keep this as a fun, light-hearted podcast about exactly. space lasers. We've, we've, we've basically said the thing there that we don't... I know it's big Which news and shocking to some on. people, but we don't agree with anti-Semitism. I feel like so far they've they've learned a lot. They've learned lasers, how, how lasers work, and that anti-Semitism is bad. And then yes. there's this woman who, I don't know, says some shit. That that is so much. And it's only been like 15 minutes so far. So Yeah, let me check one sec that Zencaster is still working. Zencaster is still working. Cool. It's working for me, so yeah. Sweet. <laughs> um, so 
my gut reaction about hearing about Solaran is I've not even heard them launch any satellites yet. So I thought I'd dig around on their website. And the first thing I saw was their post responding to her post. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just thought it's just so funny. Um, so, yeah. A Facebook post by a member of Congress inferred that in 2018, Solaran Corporation solar panel satellites connected to sun's energy in Earth orbit converted that energy to laser power and beamed it back to Earth, which sparked California's worst wildfire. Solaran President and CEO Gary T. Spernak said that it's important to our government and industry partners and future customers that Solaran set the record straight. <laughs> So, um, Solaran Solar Pan will mm. consist of a solar power satellite in geostationary orbit and a ground receiving station on Earth that is connected to a utility customer's power grid. Solaran's team has developed and painted ultralightweight SSP plant design that will enable safe or weather 24 7 zero emission space solar electricity. Um, so, yeah, they go and say that. No, they haven't launched any satellites yet. Second to yeah. this, Solaran does not have any solar power satellites in space. I mean, um, they kind of say that right at the top as well, as Solaran has yet not yet launched any solar power satellites into space. The Facebook post has no basis oh, yeah, in that. They, they also they, they kind of that, that I feel like that sums it up. I don't know why they said the rest of it. I mean, I guess it gives more detail, which is good. Well, Third, Solaran Lauren Space solar power plants are uncompromisingly designed for safety and cost competitiveness yeah. and cannot be weaponized. This kind of feels like an ad now, the rest of it. They kind of turned it around <laughs> it and then they were like, go and, I don't know, buy Solaran energy today. <laughs> or, I, I don't know. That, I, that doesn't sound like an ad, but you know what I mean, basically. Yeah. They tried to use it as a way to sell themselves or something. Um. They go on to say that they use radio frequencies to transmit power, which I think is honestly boring. Like, why did they not use lasers? Yeah. Um, lasers would have been so much cooler. Yeah, and, you know, they would have had the added benefit of being able to spark some wildfires. And also, if they had, like, made a Death Star-shaped satellite and then had it be that, like... They shot lasers <laughs> down like from the Death Star. But they were like, oh no, it's just a power satellite that happens to be shaped like the Death Star. It happens to be shaped like the and Death it, Star. And like, each time it hits that, that would be so cool. So, and it wouldn't, it definitely would not kill us. So it's all good. Even though they would call it the Death Star, obviously. So, um, however, let's look. Have any space lasers been proposed before? And if so, could any of them send a beam of light down to Earth strong enough to ignite a wildfire? I hope so. <laughs> so photographic talk... proof right there. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's talk about the best Bond movie ever made. Die <laughs> Another Day. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so in this film, a North Korean general makes a giant satellite designed to focus the sunlight and destroy the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea so the North Koreas can invade South Korea. Okay. This isn't entirely out of nowhere. A very similar idea was suggested by the Nazis in the 1940s. 
who wanted to build a giant mirror in space with the area of nine square kilometers, known as the sunbeam or heliobeam, designed to reflect and focus sunlight onto things. <laughs> um, they quoted being able to focus enough heat to, quote, make an ocean boil. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, they wanted to set cities on fire. Um, of course of the Nazis did. Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, <laughs> oh, this is pretty... The Nazis just oh, the Nazis boiling, boiling the ocean again. <laughs> boiling the oceans. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, this isn't... I mean, it's sort of like a focused beam of light, but yeah. it isn't exactly a laser. One, one thought I just had, though, Josh, is wasn't it that a lot of Nazi scientists went to NASA? Yes. Maybe yes. these Nazi scientists secretly sent a massive mirror into space <laughs> and they did start the wildfires. And they're, they're just feeding you lies that you're now talking about right here, Josh. Have this you thought about that? I mean, what if the moon was actually the giant mirror? Mirror. <laughs> there wasn't actually a moon before nineteen like forty five <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, the the moon is just like a fabricated lie. Yeah, and then we we've been fed lies about what the moon is. The moon's actually there to cause there. climate change yeah. to make Chinese manufacturing more competitive. Exactly. It's, yes. it's all connected. I, I I would I think I would be make a good conspiracy theorist. I'd be the best conspiracy theories. I mean, <laughs> better than all your conspiracy. <laughs> Just, uh. So, um, anyway, we should probably get back on track. Sorry. So, space lasers on, you know, a new concept about. Yeah. I sort of want to talk more generally about using lasers in space. Okay. Um, so let's talk about, frankly, my most favorite subject, which is intercontinental ballistic missiles. Of course. I, I'm gonna. I, I want to know how this is connected to space lasers. I have to say, oh, it's it gets brilliant. Oh, Don't okay. worry. So, um, let's look at how an intercontinental ballistic missile works. So you have this first. I mean, these things are just rockets, right? Like yeah. Rockets just... and ICBMs are interchangeable. Okay. Um, the, some of the first rockets to launch people into space were derived or pretty much they just put a capsule on top of an icbm um, just sell like, the tape to on awesome. yeah. <laughs> just put some not duct tape off. on it not far off um so what it does is this is a sort of the first phase of like it launches sort of vertically okay yeah and then, um basically if you have the planet right so if you go up <laughs> above the planet surface, yeah. pretty much however far you go, gravity remains the same. So the only way you can stay floating in space is to go sideways faster than the gravity can pull you down. Oh, yeah. And that's how like satellites are able to... Yeah. So yeah. satellites orbit. <clears throat> if you want to stay at the same distance above Earth, you have to go in an orbit that's high enough and therefore long enough that the rotational period of the orbit is the same as the rotational period of the Earth, um, which is known as geostationary orbit. Ah, okay. Um, so, anyway, we're not talking about orbits. We're talking about nukes. <laughs> so what nukes do to get to another point on Earth is they'll go up 
and then they basically go sideways in what's called a suborbital trajectory. So this is pretty much just an orbit but with slightly less energy. So, you know, you put in enough energy so that you're, you kind of go up, float in space for a little bit, and then you sort of come back down into towards your target. So as you can see here, this is sort of a suborbital trajectory. So it sort of goes into space, then launches sideways. I mean, this is also why it's worth talking about suborbital trajectories is that they are really fast. Like these things move really quickly. Um, depending on the trajectory, they move at about seven kilometers a second. Shit, that is fast. Twenty-five thousand kilometers an hour. <laughs> so um, this means they're really hard to stop. Um, like these things are really difficult to stop. And um, can you not just catch it? I mean, you, they just they just need to put a giant trampoline in the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-five thousand kilometers an hour to say. Well, actually, a lot of these burst in the air. Oh, okay. Um, it can cause a bit more destruction that way. Oh, that, that's good that they thought about that. Yeah, they thought about they thought about the giant. Trampolines. If we're going to cause destruction, <laughs> we may as well make it the most destruction we can. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so. Obviously, a lot of countries aren't very happy about the idea of just being able to be randomly blown to shit out of nowhere. Um, that is so true. A lot of countries <laughs> have developed um, anti-ballistic missile missiles that are designed to basically, at this stage of flight, fly up and just smash themselves into the missile. Um, and just basically completely destroy it yeah um upon entry um i'm just going to check the next slide so um <laughs> the issue is with this is that a lot of intercontinental ballistic missiles carry multiple warheads and uh, each of, so as you can see here this is one missile going up yeah then it splits off and these different warheads come down and um, all of these are individually targetable to different locations within a certain amount. So, you know, they might be able to hit a few targets within, like, you know, a few hundred kilometers of each other mm. um, once they're going in sort of the rough direction. And this kind of changes the economics of this because for each of these, tar like, entry vehicles you need another full missile that goes and targets them and blows them up. Um, however, you only need one missile to launch you know, maybe eight or nine of these vehicles. Ah. So this makes it really difficult to basically, um, you know, create enough of these to shoot down a few of these yeah. And all of that, you know, and a lot of um, the weapons, not all of these are actually warheads. They have a lot of dummy warheads as well on them. Mm. So that means that they're also their... some of the ballistic miss anti ballistic missiles will go after ones that aren't even nukes. Yeah, basically. Uh... That's, so that's the idea. Yeah. So, um... so what you're saying is that there's no point in actually trying to destroy 
other missiles economically and you should just send your own nuke at the other country yeah, as so a response. <laughs> that was kind of like the idea of mutually assured yeah. destruction. Um, but in the 80s, you know, Ronald Reagan w- did not like mutually assured destruction, which is crazy because, frankly, you know, I think everyone loves it. I mean, mm. everyone thinks it's a fantastic idea and, you know, would just absolutely love for it to happen. Exactly, but, yeah. You know... I want to live in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, personally. Exactly. So, I mean, bring on the just... nukes, is what I say. <laughs> isn't that just Derby? <laughs> that was so loud. <laughs> We're not really loud. <laughs> but yeah. Um, that's, uh, it feels like home to me, though, doesn't it? So... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The US was trying to develop systems for bringing down incoming ICBMs at various stages of flight. And there was a few programs investigating the use of directed energy weapons, including lasers. Hey, that's the link. So the idea is, is that they would have these you would have satellites up in space that would shoot lasers at these vehicles and blow them up before they could reach the planet or, you know, the ground. Yeah. Um, But, you know, this kind of... um, The closest I can find to a system like this being tested isn't quite in space, but it is this 747 with a massive laser <laughs> mounted on the front. Oh my god. Is that a real plane? or just? Yeah, a... this exists. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess this is what happens when you spend a trillion dollars on dumb things instead of healthcare. Yeah. Because um, how often do they actually use that? Because I haven't heard about like, oh, there was a laser strike recently. Or something. <laughs> so the idea was is that this would sort of intercept missiles in early stages of flight. Ah, uh, okay. And this can sort of fire over sort of the visible horizon. So I guess if you launch, yeah. So this could fly along the border and maybe shoot down the mm. missile before it reaches space. Uh, um, wouldn't so- uh, wouldn't a bomb do that as well though? <laughs> Yeah, but you need another missile for that. Oh, okay, that's true, yeah. So, yeah, the idea is you can fly this close to enemy territory and then shoot down the missiles as they launch. Uh Uh-huh. So they actually have had success. They tried it out. Um, They launched some dummy missiles and saw if they could shoot it down. Wait, what what would have happened if the dummy... Oh, the dummy missiles are the ones that are explosive. I was yes. thinking they like they, they sent some of their own missiles off they and was like if it works it works. A trial by fire. Yeah. Um. So when the Soviets found out about this, they weren't so happy. Oh, uh, of Notice course. This actually says C C C. I think I don't know whether that actually says C C P or whatever. But this hmm. is the Soviet missile, which strangely is like now NASA have the schematics. Okay. So this wasn't designed to bring down American missiles. 
It was instead designed to shoot down the American satellites, which would use... So it was designed to use lasers to blow up the American satellites, which would use lasers to blow up Soviet missiles. <laughs> so they'd be stuck in the same position, basically, with mutually... Like... Yeah. If one person develops more technology, then the other person is going to develop the same technology to counteract it. So we're yeah. always going to be stuck in the same position, probably. Unless someone is able to develop something that's like, I don't know, just destroys everything. And then they're the real winner. They've won. Well done. I mean, China did that with coronavirus. That, oh, yeah. They, they developed <laughs> it in a lab. And... Yeah, they developed it in a lab. It's to, I mean, to be fair, it kind of has brought the world to its knees. Yeah. And um, if you look at China's film cinema industry it's booming right now and that's what they wanted they wanted to destroy the cinemas in other countries whilst their films did really well that was their big master plan yes yes they wanted to destroy hollywood exactly um so yeah this kind of there are there are systems that can bring down icbms but it's still sort of a numbers game. Um, And, you know, you tend to have these little sort of kill vehicles which will fly up and kill the ICBM when it's in its sort of final stage of flight. So, yeah, it's generally it's best to avoid a nuclear war. Yeah, I would say that's a good rule of thumb. Because it tends to be really hard to defend against it. Yeah. But um, I'm going to leave what I think is possibly the coolest use of space lasers okay. to the next slide, which is quite good. Oh, oh yeah, that, 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 that's Where's so... Where's my image gone? <laughs> that's so cool, those weird red lines curving. I had an image there, and it's gone. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, there wait, it is. No, it's a YouTube video. Oh, Whoa. I forgot. I forgot. It's a YouTube. Wait, I need to. Are we gonna watch it then? Uh, yes. Oh yeah. So the, the transitions here are so smooth. I have to say. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, can't. I'm trying to stop it so that I stop. Right, okay, here we go. Okay. Oh, wait, it just took me to the YouTube video anyway. Are we watching it? Or... Yeah, sure. so here's the idea, right? So some context is the nearest solar system to us, which is Alpha Centauri, is 4.37 light years away. Um, okay. So that's basically the speed of light is the fastest speed you can travel in the universe. And traveling at that speed, it takes 4.37 years to get there. Mm. So, so that's, that's pretty. You... That's pretty far, if you ask me. That, yeah, that's, so like, that's pretty. I don't know. Quite. I far. put that into a converter. Okay. To see how many to see how many miles that is. So <laughs> to help give you some context, that yeah. is 25 trillion. Six hundred eighty-nine billion five hundred ninety-three million six hundred fifteen thousand two hundred fifty-five miles and nine hundred seventy-six yards. Oh, that that extra yards really kind of puts <laughs> over the edge. I have to say. Um, 
And if that didn't give you some help for some reason, um, the moon is about 1.3 light seconds away. So that was done by Apollo astronauts with, you know, chemical propulsion in a couple of days. Mm. Um, Mars is, depending on where we are in relation to each other, is between about three minutes and uh, 22 minutes um, in terms of how long it takes light to travel there. Um, so, yeah. So if we want to get somewhere that's over a lot, you know, four light years away um, in an actual human lifetime, mm. chemical rockets are probably going to be impractical. So this is where this idea comes in. So this is a light sail. Okay. Um, so when a photon hits something, it actually imparts a force, um, which you probably don't feel on Earth, but the pressure of the sunlight on your body um, during the daytime is about the same as a feather. Oh, that's quite a lot. Which, <laughs> if you're in the atmosphere, probably isn't that much, but if you're in space without an atmosphere, that can build up quite significantly mm. over time. So there's been a lot of experiments with sort of solar sails and trying to... And there was a satellite that actually had an issue where it um, lost control and they used the ability of light to impart a force to sort of get it back on track. Um, but obviously, if you want to go this fast, you know, standard solar power might not cut it. Mm. So this is where an entire array of lasers comes in <laughs> and shoots a giant laser beam at the spacecraft. Oh, and just like pushes it forwards. Yeah. So the idea is, so the, the maths on this is that they'd be able to, they reckon they'll be able to accelerate to about 20% the speed of light. Um, that's so actually, that's, yeah, that's really fast. That's about 60,000 kilometers a second or enough to circumnavigate the Earth one and a half times a second. Yeah. Um, so at that speed, they would get to Alpha Centauri in a mere 20 years. Wow. The, because... only, the only thing I was thinking with that, though, is with the Earth rotating around the sun... Would that change? Like, would anything block it? Um. So I think the idea is the. I guess the laser firings would be fairly short. Uh, okay. I don't know. You know whether they'd be more than like maybe a couple of hours long. Um, uh, and wait. So would they stop the laser at a point? And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, and it would just kind away. of go off into space. Yeah. It would just fly away. Ah. Um. And, you know, they'll use... So, yeah, once it arrives at Alpha Centauri, snap some pics, and then it will take a mere four years after that for the photos to arrive on Earth. Brilliant. Um, yeah, they've got this idea for these cool, like, beam scalable lasers. That actually sounds so cool. I would love to see that happen, hopefully. Yeah, I want... I think, yeah, so... I think in conclusion, like, it kind of shows that, you know... Space lasers, lasers are fun. Sorry. Space lasers, first space lasers are fun. Yes. And space lasers are 
I think, yeah, they don't come out, you know, this, I guess, lasers in space hasn't come out of nowhere. Lasers in space, you know, um, it's, it's a thing. It happens. It's been used as a weapon. It's been used for good. And it's used for, you know, cool shit like this. And for burning um, forests, of course, to, in an attempt to create power. Exactly. Exactly. Because that and is a proven fact, on. of course. There is so, more yeah. to this theory than simply space lasers. Ooh. So, a map. I do like a good map. Let's talk about clearing the right-of-way for high-speed rail. So, okay. um, this is California's high-speed rail project designed to take people from Los Angeles to California via the Central Valley. Um... Wait, so, you said Los Angeles to California. Oh, shit. Cut Los Angeles to San Francisco. Okay, I was just thinking, yes. like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, I guessed what you meant, but I thought I should say. <laughs> Los Angeles to California. Oh, that's a, that's a really far away. Yeah. You just kind of go, like, well, I guess Sacramento being the capital of California. Maybe you could, I mean, kind of goes there as well. Mm. Well, eventually. Um, so she said it kind of... She said it's a coincidence that the fires were going... Yeah, in the uh, Central Valley and uh, along the coast. Um, so I think it goes without saying, using a satellite to start wildfires in order to clear your forest wouldn't be a very effective way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And You wouldn't get about... much... Like, if you were going to clear a forest, you may as well chop the trees down, because then you get wood. Yeah, and it's like the property damage of the method would be quite incredible, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, it's probably easier just to use a chainsaw. Yeah, and wait, also, did anyone die in the forest fires? I'm guessing some people did. Yeah, you, a lot so of So you'd have that on your as conscious well. as well. Yeah. I mean, that's suggesting that people like who are really rich have consciences, but still, I'd like to believe that they have some form of morality that would stop them from burning a forest to make money that like yeah, involves no, that's killing exactly people. What, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what they do. <laughs> it's just done in South America, not in North America. Yeah, but that still doesn't kill people, to be honest. It only just kills innocent like, animals that are endangered. Which, I, I mean, no, no one cares about them, so it's all yeah, good. No. Um, I will say, though, using a space laser might be more convenient if you live in the UK and you have to spend weeks evicting Extinction Rebellion from every single tree. So I can see a space laser actually proving quite useful for that. I was wondering when you were going to bring up HS2 when I saw high-speed rail come up. <laughs> yeah, high-speed I was like, rail. it's going to happen. Okay. Um, I, I won't make any comment on this. <laughs> okay, I like some... I, I agree in principle with Extinction Rebellion. Yeah. I just don't agree with all of their targets because they keep they keep tying themselves. They go into London and they tie themselves to the tube. And it's like, you do realize this is literally an electric train which runs on renewable power. And mm. you're tying yourself to it. So everyone in the station is going to have to go and get a taxi into town. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um yeah, I yes. mean, anyway, we should probably get back to... Leave that for another episode. Yes, exactly. Um, but it probably isn't the craziest proposal to clear right-of-way for rail. So, 
I want to talk about... Um, so in the 1960s, the Santa Fe Railroad wanted to build a new railway through the Bristol Mountains in California, but it was concerned that it would be too expensive to construct using conventional methods. How do you think they proposed solving the cost issue? Did they just blow up the mountains? Oh no, it's even better than that. Oh, okay. I was just I was looking at that picture and it looked like they just kind of blew stuff up in between them. But what it's, is it? At the same time, the United States Atomic Energy Commission was looking oh. for peaceful new uses of nuclear bombs. So they nuked the mountains. <laughs> they didn't. Well, they didn't do it. We'll get on to reasons why that happened. Oh, that been so sick. Why didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Yeah, limits of proposed nuclear excavation. Oh my god, it. that's amazing. So Project Carriol. So um, fifty kiloton crater. Um, so we're going to excavate a path through the mountains with the use of 23 nuclear weapons. Wait, <laughs> I, I, I wish they did this, but at the same time, I understand why they wouldn't, because wouldn't that just leave the area really radioactive? Well, um, yes, <laughs> so we're going to create a cutting wide enough to accommodate both a highway and a railroad line. Huh. So railroad here and, you know, highway here, highway here. Huh. Um, unfortunately, health and safety gone mad put a huh. stop to this project. Um, Bloody health and safety. A lack of testing meant it was hard to estimate what the level of radiation <laughs> people living in the area would be exposed to, or for how long the radiation would stick around. The limited nuclear test ban treaty of 1964 meant the United States was unable to carry out any explosions that could potentially lead to fallout in other countries, even if the levels were far below being able to damage ecosystems or human health. Um, but... So wait, what did they do instead then? Uh, like... Do they just blow up normally? Yeah, I think for, I think they may. I don't know whether they actually built along this sort of alignment. Oh, okay. Um, but I think they did do a sort of similar project just with conventional explosives. Oh, okay. Um, here you can hear that, see that estimated fallout map. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, it wasn't. Generally, I don't think nuclear bombs. Uh, yeah, the fallout kind of kills it, to be honest. Yeah, it does. If any there wasn't the fallout, then nukes would be yeah. great at excavation. And at least California is not an area that already struggles with a lack of potable water. So yeah, you know, I'm that's sure true. Like, having half the state irradiated <laughs> wouldn't potentially be an issue ever. Um, so yeah, I think it's probably better to be on the safe side and not risk making large swaths yeah. of California potentially uninhabitable for decades. Who would have thought that nuking your own country would be a bad idea? <laughs> <laughs> it's really... I mean, oops. Um, but yeah, let's return to forest fires. Okay. If they aren't being caused by space lasers, what else could possibly be causing them? Oh, it is um, a mystery. Um, I mean, if no, if there's no space lasers, then I don't think there's anything else that could, to be honest. So obviously, you know, climate change has led to dry seasons, um, but but climate change isn't real either, Josh. So pff, it must be space lasers. 
it's also worth considering California. Also, yeah, I want to say climate change isn't the only factor in this. Okay, um, which I think is a lot of lot of people like legitimately um, miss in the sort of talking about it. It's kind of like because the California ecosystem has always had forest fires. It's kind of a natural part of. So you know the bush will, you know, sort of all of the material that drops to the floor um, tends to, you know, go up, and the trees. Mm have sort of bark that's resistant to the fires so that um you know the ecosystem is designed to withstand it um to a certain extent um but there has been a lot of policy failures that have made the impacts on nature and the impacts on people living in the state a lot worse um California's had a lot of policy failures fighting forest fires because they try to stop the fires happening entirely. And um, then what happens over a number of years is all this material builds up. And then when a fire happens, it's a lot stronger and it's a lot more devastating. Uh, okay. Um, so there's this considered, but also... There's something known as the wildland-urban interface. So, you know, you've got houses and then you have trees. Mm. Um, you know, this this in between is what we'd call the wildland-urban interface, sort of separating the forests and the houses. But, you know, a lot of suburbanization has actually meant that the line between these two has become increasingly confused. So you have a lot of houses that are being built very close to or within these sort of forests yeah so when the forest fires come it can be really devastating for these houses and because you know if you think about it like um you know your volume to um perimeter sort of ratio you know the bigger the bigger the circle the more volume you have per area it makes the likelihood that these properties will encounter fires higher and makes it harder to protect the properties when the fire happens um there's also been issues with what's igniting it so you've got things like campfires um gender reveals oh. <laughs> <laughs> um you know lightning lightning is one of them mm. and pg and e is partly to blame because their um transmission lines were um, having failures and sparking oh. fires. So what you're saying is actually she could be right all along, but PG is not the lasers. It's the electricity lines all along. Yes. She she was right, but she just thought the, the lasers weren't the problem. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like with a lot of conspiracy theories, it's not necessarily that there isn't anything... It's not necessarily that they're entirely wrong. Um... It just tends to be that they jump through so many hoops mm. that are just completely unnecessary. <laughs> like, you could very much lay the blame on governors, PG&E, and, you know, sort of corruption, bad land development, you know, poor policies. You don't even have to look at climate change if you don't want to. Yeah. It kind of delegitimizes what they were saying as well. Yeah. Because, like... In that first thing, I don't like, of course, the anti-Semitism kind of 
made me go, okay, this is a load of rubbish. But if, let's say, it just sounded like she was complaining about there being some sort of corruption which has led to the forest fires, like in government, but uh, and then said the cause was something that wasn't space lasers, but maybe was, like, um, the whole, like, wires or something. Do you know what I mean? Something yeah. a bit more normal. But the fact that she then goes, and it's space lasers, it kind <laughs> of... I don't know, I... But me personally, that makes me go, okay, that's a load of rubbish. Yeah. So it's interesting that conspiracy theorists don't go for things that are more realistic. They have to go for the more outlandish stuff. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like QAnon, really. Like, it's just called Epstein Island. Mm. Like, it's not out of nowhere. Like, yeah. Um, but it's it's kind of it's kind of like well. The fact that you have to sort of make it, they have to make it about Trump or like... How Trump saving the world and stuff. Yeah, and it's like, it's like they have to make it so much more complicated than it actually is. Yeah. Like... I I think they make it complicated to confuse and when people are confused, they just kind of go along with it. Yeah. That's probably why, to be honest, now I'm thinking about it more. I mean, I think it's just that they don't want to admit that maybe... um, some of the policies that they're creating and the people that they're aiding and abetting have a part to play in some of this. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's sort of that's sort of the takeaway. First, space lasers cool. They are cool. Especially um, when they start forest fires. But sadly they don't. But yeah. we, we're gonna make it happen, aren't we, Josh? We're exactly. gonna I mean on can we do it? We're all about bringing the apocalypse i think at the if if after each episode of can we do it josh what we should do is have a yes we can where we actually do the conspiracy theory <laughs> so in this one of course we create a space laser that starts a forest fire um we in another one we might need to fake the moon landing i don't know um that's true how we also mentioned the moon being fake. Oh yeah, do, yeah. Do we'll, we we'll need to we need to create a fake moon and put that into the sky. And then we also have to yeah, we create a second moon, and then we have to yeah um, change all media from the past hundred years to make, to make it make so it like that the, there's always yeah. been two moons. Yeah, there's always been two moons. So yeah, and uh, um, we also need to make the Earth flat. That that one will be a bit harder than the others. <laughs> But I think we can do it with a really big rolling pin. Um, so we'll just get one of those and we'll just flatten the earth. Because we can. Yeah, I think we can do it, Josh. I, re- I, I, I believe in us. I think The only problem is, I, I just wonder how we get gravity on this flat. Well, gravity doesn't exist. I mean, that's Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. It doesn't exist, yeah, so fine. we don't gravity need to worry about that. So that's fine. Like, the earth is flat and... Um, we will flatten it. Yeah, we will. <laughs> We're gonna flatten. Um, <laughs> We're gonna flatten this it. already flat Earth because obviously it is already flat. So yeah, this is this is a flat Earth friendly podcast. It is. This is a pro flat Earth. <laughs> pro podcast. flat Earth. No, it, no pro Earth flattening podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah, we we believe the Earth is round, but we don't want it to be. <laughs> we don't want we're, to we're, be yeah. we're taking our own stance with this. People are like, "Oh, it's flat." No, it's round. We're like, we we know it's round, but we we, we, we prefer it to be flat. flat. We're gonna make it flat. Mr. Gorbachev, flatten this planet. <laughs> I think we can do it. Yeah. Oh. So, um, 
Yeah, thank you for listening to yes. the first episode. Wait, is that the end of it? Is there any other slides? Yeah, I don't... No. Oh. I feel we ended on a high there, talking about flattening the earth. And I, yeah, I, I feel I learned a lot, and hopefully the people who've listened to this, if they have listened to all of it, also learn a lot as well. Um, uh, yeah. Do you want to drop any socials? Uh, not right now. I don't know. I I, I should have asked you before the podcast. Yeah, that, I feel like that's something that you can't just drop on me right at the end of it like this. Um, I'll, I'll put a link in the yeah, description just put links, if you want. It's fine. I don't think people um, would care much about following me, so I would just yeah, leave it at yeah, that. Yeah, it's fine. Um, you're just going to have to stalk Evan. Exactly. Um, well, the, the vaccine control chips, you can just find his... Uh, I'll distribute his like code so you can go and locate him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll also drop my Instagram in the description <laughs> or something as well. <laughs> it will, I hope people start doing that after um, the vaccines go over. Like, follow my microchip... Yeah, it's like snap maps. Yeah, <laughs> uh. but you don't even have to reload it, and it's you cannot opt. You cannot opt out. Uh. Yeah, I want to. I want to do an episode on vaccine. Uh, I think we, we need to hey, tell yeah. if you guys want us to do an episode on vaccines. Tell us, please. Yeah, um, and I think the next episode may be dead on um, deadly five G waves. Ah, oh, I'm looking forward to that. Because um, there are some 5G people where I live. Oh, yeah. So, well, not like oh, near really? me, but like, I don't know, there's a movement in Bristol. So, that that would be interesting <laughs> to look into, definitely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, Hello. Yeah, in the meantime, we're going to. Um, I'm guessing, because I can't hear Josh. Go back to. Oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to my uh, underground mountain layer. Okay. Um, where I will be uh, slaving away building space lasers of my own. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening. And goodbye. Goodbye. I'll press stop recording when I find the... Oh, an hour.